Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, the weekly feel-good podcast with music, fan stories, tales of food, wins, and woes, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and some D&D stuff. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. So this week's podcast is a nice long one. We've got some stuff to cover extensively. I have a couple of pretty awesome food stories to tell you all. We discuss my very first fan email with some stress suggestions from a longtime fan of mine. We also go into some fun and exciting new songs of the week, talk a little bit about some D&D action, and I share my thoughts and feelings on the brand new movie Ant-Man and the Wasp. But enough dilly and daddling, or as Cornelius Fudge would say from Harry Potter, enough diddles. And yeah, that's a word, you can look it up. Let's dive right into the podcast. It's come to this, the end of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That's right, everybody. The final two chapters are coming out this this Thursday, in fact. And I am actively now, as of recording this, realizing that for the second week in a row, I have forgotten to upload the fucking chapters. God damn it. I'm doing that right now. All right, all right. I'll do it. I'll do it after this bit. Son of a biscuit. Ah, oh, oh, I'm so bad at remembering. Anyway, I'll do that here in a second. But we got two chapters this week. Damn it. Uh, through the trap door and the man with two faces will wrap up Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And, you know, what can I say about the end of the book? It is... It wraps it up nicely. It's a quaint little story. Puts a nice little nail in the tiny Harry Potter coffin that becomes this franchise. Uh, but fortunately for us, it drags on for six more books after this. So, woohoo! We got a lot more pottering to do. Anyway, the thing I wanted to focus on this time, a little segment uh, from the from these two chapters, uh, focuses on my all-time favorite character to do the voice for. That's right. It's Snappy. It's Snapey. It's Albus Dumbledore. Dumbledore is my favorite character to voice in these books for a lot of reasons. I love the voice. Um, and I love just making Dumbledore say just the wackiest things. Just whatever floats in my brain fruits. And uh, this this little bit is Dumbledore awarding the extra house points to the Griffin lads so they can win the house cup for arbitrary reasons. That's my, that's my highlight. So yeah, here we go. Dumbledore raised his hand. The groom gradually fell silent. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore smiling. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much stand up to our friends. I therefore award 10 points to Mr. Neville. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry, young man. That's a terrible last name. Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Next week begins Harry Potter and the Chamber of the Secrets. And I am very excited. There's a lot of great gags. There's a lot, there's a lot of good goofing in the Chamber of Secrets. It's a good one. Um, it's It's longer than the first one. Uh, but not by much, I don't think. I think the first audiobook clocked in at exactly, pulls it up so I can tell you the solid number, 6 hours, 41 minutes, and 27 seconds. Chamber of Secrets 
clocks in at. Hold on, hold on, hold shut. Hold on. Oh, I've got it's um, seven hours and fifteen minutes. So it's only longer by like half an hour. Uh, so that's not a that's not that bad. It's only a chapter longer. Um, but I think it's like a hundred pages more than the first book. Um, something like that. But uh, but yeah, final two Sorcerer Stone chapters landing on time this time. I'm gonna put a freaking note in my calendar to remember to post these things. Anyway, here it is. Now let's move on to the next thing. So we've got a special treat this week. We have our first fan email coming in with uh, some stories and some tips on how to have just a grand old time with life and stuff. This email comes to us from Audrey, who has been watching my content and listening to my stuff for a fair number of years now. Uh, way back in college when I used to do YouTube videos, Audrey's, Audrey's been there since basically the beginning. And I absolutely remember some grand old comments and conversations we've had over the years. But uh, Audrey's coming to us loud and strong here with uh, some actually fantastic advice on how to deal with stress uh, from way back in episode one. You may remember. Uh, Audrey recommends the act of painting. It's slow, methodical, and creative, and it's really helpful for me. That is awesome, actually. Creating is a wonderful way to help just kind of deal with the world's pressures and allows you to have a, a nice outlet for the uh, the general stresses and worries that come with life. Um, writing and drawing are other suggestions that Audrey has here, and I can once again confirm, absolutely, 100%, good stress relievers right there. And Legos, ooh, Legos, uh, building with Legos, yeah, that is like, oh man. So a while ago, I went on a kind of crazy Lego binge and I was like, there has to be a service where you can, because like for me, the, the best part of Legos is building the set. After that, it's just this huge thing that takes up space in your house. And then I usually just destroy it and put the Lego pieces back in a box and just put it in the garage or in the attic or whatever. But I was like, there's got to be a service where I can rent a Lego set and build it and then ship it back once I've had my Lego fun. And there is. There is a service. I cannot not remember what it is called. I think it's like I think it's like Netbricks. I think is what it's called. Um, yeah, Netbricks. It's like Netflix, but for Legos. You can rent Legos. Um, financially, if you do it a couple of times, it is financially more sensible to rent the Lego sets than it is to buy them, especially if it's one of the bigger ones like the Death Star or um, the, the Star Destroyer, which is like $800 Lego sets. It is financially. But if you do it all the time, and the chances are you're probably just better off just buying the Lego set because, you know, once you build the set, you can then build other things with Legos. That's kind of the joy of Legos is that you have other options on what to build those Legos with. It is, uh, it is, a, it is an option, and I had looked into it, but it is, uh, it, it can be a little pricey. But I will agree that... Building Legos or doing anything that's um, like a puzzle, you know, just chilling with the good old fashioned jigsaw puzzle. I used to do way back in the day, way back in the day when I was like in middle school, um, I had a collection of three or like, like, uh, like puzzles that you would build in three dimensional space and that would form like little figures and stuff, um, like animals and dinosaurs and stuff like that mostly. Uh, later on, I got into the, I can't remember what they're called. They're like the, the thin sheets of metal that you'd get and you would like bend them and put like the hook them together to assemble 3d structures 
Um, I've I've always loved those. I loved like the micro detail and the very careful tiny movements that you have to pull off in order to actually get the thing to line up correctly and for the whole thing to get assembled. Um, I love the the micro minutia of pulling all that off. That's always very very fun for me and a great way to relieve stress. But I just wanted to say thank you, Audrey, for your continued support over the years. It means so much to me. And if you guys have any other, you know, comments, stories, songs of the week, we do have a song of the week coming from Audrey here, and uh, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But if you guys have an email you want to send my way, email it to goingupcast@gmail.com, not dmail, gmail.com. Little verbal faux pas there. In any case, reach out. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts and feelings and stuff. Send me song suggestions. I want that playlist to just be a colossal cluster of all sorts of genres and years and moods, preferably happy ones. And speaking of songs, let's hop into our songs of Louie. Like I said, we've got two brand spanking new songs of the week. One of them coming to us hot and fast from Audrey, and the other one coming to one of my oldest friends in the world, a Mr. Ben. So, two two songs from external sources, which is good, because I did not have a song of the week this week. Couldn't think of one. Uh, so, hopefully, I'll, I'll have some stuff uh, for us next week. But this week, we've got... It's it's a, it's kind of weird. They, like, they could not be more different songs in and of themselves but like like the kind of mentality behind the songs and honestly the general relaxing feel of both of these songs is remarkably similar just done in two completely different styles so the first song like i said comes to us from december of 2015 by a norwegian dj known as alan walker the song is called faded and fun fact about both of these songs, listening to them now to pick them as songs of the week was the first time I heard either of these songs. And while um, that kind of, uh, I, I'm not really sure, I would have described it as like just electronica music, um, not EDM because that's like dance, that's a little more, more upbeat. But according to Wikipedia, Faded is progressive house. I don't know what that means. I didn't know house was a genre, but apparently this is progressive house. And uh, normally in my realm, progressive music means that it alternates time signatures throughout the song. And uh, a lot of my favorite music is progressive, like prog rock and prog metal and all that stuff. Um, but Faded is, it's pretty, uh, it's very kind of um, smooth. It's very low key. It reminds me a lot of Avicii, who is one of my favorite um, musicians in this genre. Uh, and his, his passing was incredibly tragic. Hey Brother was my number one listen to song of 2017. That'll probably be song of the week uh, later on down the road. Um, I actually have an idea for when that's going to be song of the week, but we'll get to that later. In any case, here is a little snippet of Faded. It's really good. Like, I, I legitimately enjoy it. It's like, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, you like heavy metal and classic rock. How you don't like this, you know, modern stuff. But it's like, I like good modern stuff. So if, if the song or the album or the artist is good, like I enjoy it, I don't care what genre it's from. Good music is good music. You know, you have a good time with it no matter what's going on. 
And on the flip side of that, we have the final track off of one of my all-time favorite albums, One of These Nights by The Eagles, released 1975. We have I Wish You Peace, which is a suggestion from my buddy Ben, who he and I have a lot of very similar musical tastes. I actually have seen The Eagles play live, um, but I have no memory of listening to this song before. I must have, because I've heard one of these nights countless times because it has some of the greatest eagle songs ever on it. It's got one of these nights, and it's got Lying Eyes, and Take It to the Limit. Classic, classic songs. And then I Wish You Peace is just right at the end of it. Uh, once again, it's very mellow, and quite frankly, it is just beautiful, and I'm not sure words can really do it justice. So here's a little bit of I Wish You Peace. I wish you Two incredible songs for completely different reasons, but tonally and the message behind both of them are remarkably similar. So I like I like the coupling here, and I enjoy the fact that the playlist is branching out in genres. Like, we're getting all sorts up in this song of the week business. It's becoming pretty eclectic, just like, just like my taste in music. It's all over the place. You never know what I'm going to put on. It's pretty fantastic. If you have a recommendation or a song you want to listen to, in this Song of the Week playlist, now on Spotify, you can go to the website, you can follow the playlists on Spotify. I would highly recommend you do that. Uh, it's it's becoming lengthy. It's definitely got some good jams on there. I've actually fallen into the habit of listening to it myself because it puts me in a good mood. But if you have a suggestion for Song of the Week, please send me your suggestions at goingupcast at gmail.com or using the contact page on goingupcast.com. I cannot wait to hear your song suggestions and I can't wait to put them on this playlist so it's just an enormous giant playlist it'll be so big I can't wait now let's talk about food so you may have seen on my twitter from a week ago that I had a I had a, an event and an occasion um, involving a lot of Mexican food. So here's the story. I went out uh, boozing and cruising with some of my old college friends, and we went to a taco joint called, I think it's Red Star in Fremont, um, and they had quite a variety of tacos on their menu. Uh, in fact, there were 15 uh, varieties of tacos, uh, ranging from there was like a catfish taco, they had the breakfast taco, carnitas braised beef um several different types of chicken and fish tacos beyond that a lot of different varieties of tacos and i said before i was going to go out i was going to do one of two things i was either going to drink a lot or i was going to eat a lot and i drove so the first option wasn't happening i think i had i think i had one beer at the beginning of the night anyway this was like the second step and i was like man some of these tacos sound really good like the honey sriracha shrimp taco sounded pretty good and I was like you know what I'm gonna do I know what I'm gonna do so we're ordering our food and everybody's like I'll get uh, these two tacos with some rice and beans because it was also happy hour so uh they were doing that and then the waitress gets to me and I go this might sound weird but just go with it I want one of every taco and she was like okay and so that title that totaled to uh to 15 tacos and I was like I'm gonna do them all 
I'm gonna eat 15 tacos in one sitting. I hadn't had break. I hadn't had food since breakfast to this day, so I felt reasonably confident in my eating abilities. Um, but you never really know your your limitations until you attempt to eat far more than a single human should in a in a in like a sitting. Um, like for example, the 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 world record for most hot dogs consumed i believe in a 12 minute period is like 72 um i could probably eat one i'm not a big hot dog guy to be perfectly honest and uh right now uh well deep into the aftermath of consuming all of these tacos i'm not feeling super great but let's i'm getting ahead of myself so i the, they show up um and there's a picture on my blog of not every taco one taco got missed and was brought out to me later. So in the image, you only see 14 tacos. The one that's missing is the buffalo chicken taco, which was pretty good. Um, and I'll be honest, uh, I made quick progress through up like all right. So I ate the first five tacos pretty quickly. Um, each taco was uh, pretty varied, and the toppings of each taco was fairly uh, versatile as well. Uh, there was some goat cheese and cilantro action. There was some pineapple and pico de gallo action. There was a multitude of sauces. The salsa verde at this place was banging. It was awesome. Um, so, like, the toppings combined with the different variety of meat kept it pretty versatile. So I blew through the first five tacos pretty dang quickly. And then hit the breakfast taco, which was not only twice as big as any of the other tacos, but like it was egg and bacon and cheese with Mexican ingredients mixed in flavor profile wise. It was a complete 180. It was a good breakfast taco, but compared to what I had eaten up until that point, my palate wasn't ready for it. And it just fucking completely slowed me down. Cause I was just like, Whoa, this is, this is a taste and a texture and all this stuff that I just wasn't ready for. So that slowed me way down way down to Barbertown. That really cut my stride. Uh, but after that, I drank some iced tea and I kept going. Made it through another three tacos, or I guess two tacos. Made it up to eight tacos. And then the ninth taco was this braised beef taco. And um, I'm sure if I didn't have this thought, it would have been better. But to me, it tasted like a really shitty, like elementary school style sloppy joe. And that really was a struggle to get through. And I keep, I, I'm eight tacos in. Starting the ninth taco. And it's not a great taco. It wasn't. It was the worst taco I had out of all of them. And that was a struggle to get through. But I had to eat it. Because I was like, I'm going to do all 15. I got to finish this fucking taco. But that took a while. So I was able to eat it. And then it was like, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break and use the restroom, uh, you know, because I had to pee, and uh, come back, and at the nine tacos in, I was comfortably full. Like, I ate a Chipotle burrito kind of full. It's like the perfect amount of food um, to be like, ah, oh, yeah, I can feel it in my belly. I'm good. Nine tacos, done. Um, but I was like, it's only six more tacos. You can do it. But I'm like, I, I pick up the next taco to bring myself to double digits. And I'm like, fuck. I cannot eat the rest of these tacos. I will projectile vomit all over this table. But I'm like, oh, you gotta get to double digits. And so I ate that taco. 
I brought up to 10 tacos. And at that point, I had five left. And I'm like, okay, gang, I might be able to do one more, but I can't do anything beyond that. So everybody can help themselves to a taco. And so all my friends take a taco, and I had one taco left. And it was the sriracha honey shrimp one. It was the shrimp taco. And I ate about two-thirds of that little bastard before I finally gave up. Not because I couldn't finish it, but because all the ingredients fell out and I was just picking them up with a fork um, at that point. So I guess I technically finished the 11th taco, but for bang for my buck, I'm calling it good at 10. I can do 10 tacos in a single sitting, um, which I think is a pretty respectable figure. That's certainly more than I thought I could do. Um, and uh, like I said, at least at least nine of those tacos were pretty good. I could, I could skip the breakfast taco next time. Don't need that in my belly. But the rest of them were pretty solid. So it was a good it was a good time. My friends were very entertained by my efforts, especially when they all show up. Like I had, how many plates was it? I think it was five plates total with one taco on a single plate after that. So five plates of food in front of me. Um, that's, that's the most number of plates of food I've ever had in front of me at a single time. Um, except for maybe like a sushi, uh, like conveyor belt spot, but I don't really think that counts. This is these were these were like five entrees, basically three tacos. One fucking plate had five tacos. It's crazy. But uh, but yeah, that was a that was a good time. The only other time I ever did anything like this was in college. I was getting lunch with a buddy of mine, and um, we were at a Mexican place. I got a burrito, and he also got a burrito, but. I finished my burrito and we sat there for like 10 minutes and his burrito never came in. And so he went up to the counter and it turns out they never put his order in. And so we sat there for like another hour uh, while they cooked his burrito and he ate it. And then at that, through the end of that hour, I was hungry again. So we went to a taco joint so I could get a taco. But then after that taco, he was hungry again. So we both went and got ice cream. And that was the only time I went to three restaurants for a single meal, in my head at least. It was all lunch. It was all part of one meal. We went to three different restaurants for one meal. And I've always wanted to beat that record. I've always wanted to go to four restaurants for a single meal. But it, the right set of circumstances has to has to go down. Um, I don't consider pub crawling to do that. Because it's pretty easy to drink a beer in a place and then move on to the next one. I'm talking about you sit down, you order what you would normally order in, in a location. Like you would order a dinner, you know. You eat it. And then you move on to the next restaurant and you do it again. That's what I'm talking about. Not like appetizer, appetizer, appetizer. Not that shit. No, no. You sit in each place and eat it. Eat at it like you would. Like this was your only stop for the night. And then you move on to the next one. It's truly an endurance test of the human su uh, stomach and how much you're capable of actually consuming uh, in, a, in a one meal area. But generally there's a lot of downtime in between the actual consumption of the food. So, you know, you probably got some, uh, some wiggle room on that front. Anyway. Enough of my culinary habits. Uh, it was just a fun story, and you gotta be you gotta be honest. Like those those tacos in that picture look pretty damn good, and they were absolutely. What's uh? Do you have a story of a time when you thought you could eat it all? <laughs> not a really not really a habit I want to uh, encourage. Um, but you know everybody's young and dumb only once, so. If you think you can eat a shit ton of tacos, you know, make sure they're good. That's that's my advice. And I know your limits. Don't push yourself too far because you will vomit. I can guarantee it. You eat too much, you're just going to vomit. That's just what's going to happen. 
So, know your limits. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. So, I just went and watched a brand spanking new movie. It was the 20th in this particular franchise. That's right. MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Holy crap. What a movie. So, it is remarkably... Alright, I'm going to try to give as much detail as I can without actually spoiling anything. Um, so it's going to be a lot of vague statements like stay to the very end. Um, you got to watch those credit scenes. Uh, the second one is just a bit, is a bit of a goof. It's a bit of a goof gag. So, you know, but you got to stay for the first one. You got to trust me on this one. But in terms of like compared to Infinity Wars, this uh, movie was far and away more relaxed it was way like lower stakes um it wasn't like you know end of the universe type shiz it was just um uh just you know it was pretty simple it's pretty simple story i saw one reviewer uh call it like a palate cleanser uh from uh from infinity wars and it does do that um it is a good uh sunday afternoon film you know it's it's pretty chill um even when like it gets kind of intense like, the intense that it reaches is pretty, like, on a scale of, like, you know, Infinity Wars, universe is in the balance. Ant-Man and the Wasp, like, a city block might get a little dinged up. Like, that's kind of, that's kind of the ratio we're working with here. It's, it's, it's pretty relaxing, honestly, for a superhero film. The stakes could not be lower. Um, if they were any lower, it'd be a day, it'd be like a fucking slice of life movie. What are you doing? Sorry, my dog is down here. And he's sniffing around at my desk. What are you doing? There's nothing down there. Get out of there. Get out of there, you fluffy fupper. Lie down. <laughs> or you'll have to go out. You'll have to go into a different room. I'm doing a doing a podcast, but anyway. Um, it was it's it's a great movie. I would highly recommend it. I think I enjoyed it more than I liked the first Ant-Man movie, of which I remember very little. It is one of just countless Marvel movies that we've seen now, actually, they're not countless. They're 20. There's 20 Marvel movies. Um, I've seen them all. This one's this one's very good. I think why I enjoyed it um, was because of its relaxed nature. The gags are good. the The villainy doesn't make me, you know, fearful uh, for for like people's lives and stuff like that. It's all pretty. It's all pretty tame. So I vastly enjoyed it for that. Um, from a from a continuity point of view, um, little spoilery. It takes place not too long after the events of Civil War, in case you're wondering where it falls in the timeline. And um, well, I don't want to spoil much anything else, but uh, it it catches up to the present pretty quickly. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Captain Marvel coming out next March and the conclusion of the Infinity War. Uh, movie coming in May of 2019 but until then ladies gents and everybody in between we've got no Marvel movies for the rest of the year and I'm super bummed I love my Marvel movies there was a there was a time period not too long ago a couple months where me and all my buddies were going like man they just keep pumping out these Marvel movies it's like here's Black Panther and here's Infinity Wars and here's Deadpool and Deadpool 2 and we're all just like, dude, enough. There's so many Marvel movies. And now that we have the prospect of 
no Marvel movies until next March. I'm like, I need some Marvel movies. I, I need them in my jam, in my, in my gob. I need that Marvel action. So, very good movie. Would highly recommend it. Um, I'm going to take the last couple of minutes in this segment to talk spoilers. So just fast forward a little bit if and you don't want spoilers because I have to talk about this. I have to. It's going to kill me if I don't. Spoiler warning. And we're good. Okay. The first after credit scene is such an amazing movie moment. It is a complete and utter gut punch. Everybody, including myself, was wondering why wasn't Ant-Man or the Wasp in the Infinity Wars movie? Where were they? What was going on? Why weren't they in the movie? Um, no reason as to why the Wasp wasn't there. Um, so to speak. Kind of, sort of. Um, so, if, if you're here, you don't care about spoilers. So, I'm just letting you know that right now. The after credit scene, the first one, shows Ant-Man going into the quantum realm to harvest, like, quantum particles to help uh, Ghost, who was the villain of the movie, uh, kind of maintain quantum stability, right? So he goes into the quantum realm to do that. And then, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Hank Pym uh, is counting down uh, when he uh, starts to, uh, you know, time counting down the time for him to revert back to normal size. He gets to two and the message cuts off. And Ant-Man's going like, guys, guys, you guys there? You told me not to joke around. And then the camera hard cuts to the three dust clouds fading away of those three characters, Hank Pym, uh, the Wasp, and um, Michelle Pfeiffer, having been Infinity Ward Thanos dusted away into nothingness, trapping Ant-Man in the quantum realm. I've never been in a quieter theater. Like, we were all laughing, having a good time, it's all upbeat and all that stuff, and then the first credit scene... Trapping Ant-Man in the quantum realm and then killing off the other three main characters of the movie instantly. That fucking Thanos, Jesus, Infinity Wars is still getting me, even though it's been months since I've seen it. Oh my god. It was such and like and your brain just goes on from there. Like Ant-Man is trapped until they come back. If they come back. Like and then, like, at the very end, the very last thing on the credits says, Ant-Man and the Wasp will return. And then the period turns into a question mark. Will they return? We don't know. Infinity Wars. And I'm like, fuck! Marvel! Oh, my heart can't take this. It was such a great moment. It was such a great moment. Holy crap. I loved it. I loved it to bits. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen in the theater. Oh, because it hurts so good. It hits you so hard. It is a total gut punch. I was joking when I was like, you know, oh, Ant-Man, you know, halfway through the movie, half the cast is going to fade away because of Infinity Wars. Oh, my God. But I didn't I didn't think they were actually going to do anything about it. Um, but I love the fact that they explained why he wasn't in Infinity Wars that way. Um, super dark. Super dark and heavy. And I need I need closure so bad that second infinity wars movie is going to break all the records it's going to be the highest grossing movie ever because i, I need to finish this oh i gotta know anyway great movie would highly recommend seeing it and uh 
I think that'll do it for, for this segment. Let's move on to the next one. So, I am a huge fan of baking and cooking shows and all those jazz, jazzy Jeff actions because, it, you know, it's warming, it's comforting, and hey, that's what this podcast is all about. So I decided to try my hand at a recipe I've loved forever, and it always seemed pretty simple. All you need is like egg, sugar, milk, and cream. I'm pretty sure that's it. You need like water and uh, like lemon, ec- or not lemon extract, uh, vanilla extract, that kind of stuff. Basically, what I wanted to make was uh, creme caramel, as the English would say, or as the rest of the world would call it, flan. I made flan. It's flan. Um, which is basically a baked custard dish with some caramel on top. And uh, it, it really expanded my baking horizons by creating two things I've never made before. Number one, a custard. And number two, a caramel. Which I've never made before. So what you do to make the caramel is you put the sugar. It was, uh, what was it? I think it was um, uh, like half a cup of sugar with like a quarter cup of water. No, it was a cup of sugar to a quarter cup of water. And you kind of mix that in to make it like a really thick slurry, basically, into like a saucepan. And then you just put that on medium high. And then you don't touch it again until it turns to the desired color of like a pretty dark reddish brown is what you're looking for. Uh, But then you got to immediately stick the pot into some ice water to stop the cooking process. But make sure you don't keep the pot in the ice water for too long. Otherwise, your stuff will solidify and then it's useless. So... You pour it into some prepared ramekins. I had four. I had four ramekins. And so I poured it into that. And then the rest of it just kind of solidified it and hardened. And later on, I put the pot full of just hardened sugar onto the stovetop again, filled it with water, and then melted the sugar down and then dumped it. So that's how I cleaned the pot. But you do that. And then what you do is you take like a cup of heavy cream, two cups of whole milk, um... Three, what was it? It was two thirds a cup of sugar and then a pinch of salt, and uh, you heat all that up on the stovetop. While at the same time you whisk four eggs and two egg yolks with some vanilla extract in a separate bowl, and then you slowly add the hot milk mixture to the eggs. Uh, you want to do it slowly, otherwise you're going to scramble the eggs and end up with like a really sweet dessert scrambled egg dish. And then you pour the custard into the ramekins with the uh, caramel on the bottom. You stick those in the oven in a uh, in a water bath, um, which has a fancy term for it, but I don't, can't remember what it is right now, for like 30 to 35 minutes, depending on your oven, at 325 degrees. And then you give it a couple of minutes to cool before you put a plate underneath the, or on top of the ramekin, flip the whole thing over, and gently wiggle the, uh, the custard out. And then you have flan or uh, creme caramel. Now, I... Flipped one over. I've got three still cooling upstairs as of recording this. I flipped one over and some bites were awesome. And other bites tasted like really sweet scrambled eggs, which says two things to me. Number one, the mixture wasn't mixed as well as it could have been. And number two, I might have overcooked them just a little bit. But now I'm stuck with the prospect of finishing three of these things by myself because none of my roommates can eat dairy. So, 
I have, I, like, I have three flans still in ramekins sitting upstairs. I'm going to go upstairs and flip another one over because the first time I, I turned one out, it, um, it kind of deflated a little bit. And I'm thinking that's because it was still pretty hot and it hadn't set all the way. Um, so I'm hoping that when I go to flip another one over, I get a better picture out of that one. Um, basically that's my plan is I'm just going to go upstairs, flip them over, hope I get a better one. Um, and I guess I'm just going to keep flipping them until I get like a good picture. And then I'm probably just going to straight up dump them because I'm trying to get into shape. I cannot eat four flans, but I would say overall as a cooking experiment, it went very well. Um, successfully making caramel on my first try ever. I made it perfectly like that's, that's something to write home about, to be perfectly honest. That's a difficult thing to nail the first time. So, hooray for me. But uh, it's a very simple recipe. And if you're, a, if you're a fan of, like, pretty rich desserts, I would recommend that flan action. I'd recommend it. Or, if you want to be fancy, you can call it creme caramel. But everybody else will just call it flan. Because it's flan. Just call it flan. F-L-A-N flan. So, excellent. There you are. That is, that is my, my cooking segment for this week. I do enjoy a good old-fashioned flan, and now I know how to make it. So, good times. Good times all around. Let's move on to the next thing. And finally, this week, I want to talk about Dungeons & Dragons. I know, we never talk about it in the podcast, but you know what? I thought it was time to break the mold a little bit and talk about some D&D. Previously, we have discussed how to get a game started and how to help your party members create characters for the actual game. Now, I want to talk about session one. Basically, how to prepare for the very first game. Now, you can do this one of two ways. You can start at session one or you can start at session zero. Session zero is when you get all your buddies together that have all agreed to play some Dungeons and Dragons. You get them all together in one zone and you create characters and develop backstories and all that stuff as a group. Now this can be very fun. Uh, you can have collective unified backstories. You can have uh, characters that are siblings or family members or whatever, and like sworn enemies. You can have them just relate into each other. And that can create a lot of within table dynamics where uh, players will have backstories that they have agreed upon together um, occasionally with the DM's help or um, with the DM being aware of these things but more often than not you can probably just let your players come up with whatever they want and um, you can work their backstories into your world fairly easily or if they ask you for like towns they might have come from or uh, like uh, uh, guilds or military structures that they were collectively a part of you can provide those details if you have them or come up with them on the spot as I have done on many occasions but that's a lot of fun starting with the session zero usually not a lot of gameplay happens on session zero uh, but it can if it is uh, a couple of people's like first times you can lead them on a quick rat basement killing adventure uh, just kind of give them the nuts and bolts of the game that kind of jazz action and if you don't want to start with a session zero, if you just want to kind of make characters one-on-one um, -on -one kind of environment and then bring them all together for the first session as their characters for the first time, there's a couple of things you got to prepare for. Uh, number one, these characters are meeting each other for the first time. Um, even if they have like a joint backstory, it might feel a little stilted in the beginning because the players might not be used to this. Uh, so it's important to have 
a unifying element to bring the party together quickly so you never have to answer the question why am i working with these people my, i don't care about these people and the dm doesn't have to respond with the statement this is dungeons and dragons it's a team game play to play nicely with your friends play work together that's the whole point of the game work together be nice uh a great couple of classic albeit cliche unifying events can be being locked in prison together that's a great one i always love starting games in jail that's a lot of fun i've had uh collective unifying dreams and all waking up in the same place or in my most recent game they've all washed washed ashore on the same beach together at the same time and then you can kind of leave it to interpretation how they all got there um they, maybe they were all sailing on a ship that crashed maybe the gods just dropped them there maybe they went on a drunken binge and just woke up on a beach you like you can leave it ambiguous they can they can think whatever they want the answer might occur later on down the road if you have like a really good idea or they really want to investigate how they all ended up on that beach at the same time you can leave it open it's up to you both ways totally fine but you got to have something that brings them together maybe they all received a message from a from a local mercenary leader who's in looking for some new recruits and word has reached his ears about y'all's incredible killing of the basement rats and he wants to hire you all for a, for a job. You know, that could be it. Um, or maybe they all just ran into each other at a bar and got drunk and had a brawl fight. And then were arrested. I don't know. You, you, like, you can play around with it. But there's got to be something that brings them together. It can't just be, and here you are. What do you want to do? You can try it and let me know how it goes because I'd be super interested to hear how that goes. But chances are it's probably not going to get your players involved in your story as much as you want them to. So just keep that in mind is that the start of your story is arguably the most important thing about the whole game. You got to start off strong. Okay. Subsequent adventures and all that stuff is, you know, those will be great and they'll have high points and low points. But if you do not begin with a solid foundation of how these players met and like why they're working together, then the whole thing is just shot. So you got to start strong. So for the sake of this, uh, like, Example, I guess. I'm going to say y'all start in prison, okay? We got a party of five, boom, prison, okay? You can explain why they're in prison, or you can leave it, once again, ambiguous. And perhaps they'll find that out later. Maybe they got the memory wiped. Always a good, useful narrative tool. Don't overuse it. Don't overuse the loss of memory, okay? Don't be once upon a time. Don't wipe these characters' memories every fucking two seasons. Don't do that. Because then your show gets hacky, and it stops being fun. As in, once upon a time. So, first season, that's great. But I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked. So, for the sake of this, you got a party of five. And let's say the local guard is corrupt, right? Uh, one of the players said something snarky about, about like, the, the lead guard. And the guard was like, well, you're going to talk shit in my town. Well, I'm just going to throw you right in jail. And boom, you're in jail, right? Classic jail move. Take all their stuff away. Oh, that's always fun. Then one of them has magic. Can't take magic away. But they don't have swords and stuff. So now they've got to figure out how to get out of the cell and find their gear without getting attacked by the guards. Ooh, now we've got now we've got puzzle solving situations. Perhaps the the local magic user in the party can can do a little knock action on the door or be able to maybe a rogue can reach through the bars and pick the lock with like a bone fragment and a and a bit of broken stool, you know? Just jiggy that lock and just pop it right open. And then you guys are out of the jail. Now you got to find your gear, right? So you're, you're trying to figure out the layout of the prison whilst doing a lot of stealth checks to avoid the guards. And you guys are also kind of looking at each other confused because you don't understand why you're all locked up in the same place. Because your memory got wiped once upon a time. 
and then you find you find like the local barracks in the, in the guard but it's in the guards chambers but it's full of like there's like four guards in there but it's also just a mound of your stuff in the corner so now you got like a now you got to play you just charge in and hope and like in the once initiative starts you guys can make your way to your gear and get geared up it's possible but they might get to you first these types of questions you got to think about and then you got to build it out from there now your players are out of jail they got their stuff are they in a town are they in a city what's going on is this jail just in the middle of nowhere is it on a floating island is it on a normal island that doesn't float mysterious questions for sure dm tip you gotta take notes you gotta like it's not it's not oh that's fine i'll remember no you won't take notes what was the third guard's name amberjack that's crap come up with a better name but you gotta take notes trust me on this notes will save your ass you gotta take notes take notes on what the characters do take notes on the loot they find and if you can't come up with loot off the top of your head quickly enough give them a random bag and tell them you'll you'll figure it out later that's always good play saver loot you know you want to give them something good but you don't have anything prepared so be like you find a chest with the lock you can't open it and then when, by the time they get to the city to find like a locksmith or they bust that shiz open hopefully that gives you enough time to figure out what's inside the box you gotta actually come up with something inside the box you can't just give them placeholder loot forever they're never gonna want to find things so just you know take notes take notes on everything have a lot of notepaper get a notepad get a notebook whatever you need take a bunch of notes because you're gonna want them and you're gonna need them and you're gonna refer back to them a lot especially if you are a dm who does voices because keeping track of who which character does what kind of voice is always important all right it helps make the world seem believable if they meet the same person like 20 times and he sounds the same every time because you put a little vocal notes next to it like let's say you meet like old man withers and so he's got you put like notes like raspy uh whistly or if like my brain works like this uh let's say i wanted them to meet like an old old scottish woman or something like that i would put instead of like notes on like high-pitched and scottish accent i'd put professor mcgonagall because in my head i know exactly what that voice sounds like and it would be like oh hello and welcome to my tavern but would you like a table i could get you a table over here in the corner here and then i just do that voice because that's my professor mcgonagall voice for the harry potter audiobook anyway it's important to keep notes that's that's all i'm saying have a good like rolodex of random npcs just at the ready you know you can insert them whatever like a random vagrant or a thief or a knight that's looking for a, a new fresh kill or a disgruntled politician you know just dudes you can just drop in to keep this place feeling lively or in my case i once put in an entire new york deli that was fully staffed with like a butcher and everybody had a thick new york accent which was terrible because i cannot do new york accents i just can't um i can do a lot of accents but like specific american accents like a boston accent or anything that isn't like southern <laughs> i struggle with um i can't do like a new yorker accent or um that kind of that kind of mentality so anyway it's good to have a good rolodex going on but i would say when running the first session you want it to be maybe not short but try and keep it concise you don't want to overload your players with a lot of stuff right at the gate you want to kind of ease them into it so maybe you do send them on a rat killing mission and maybe as a reward they get to stay in the inn for free for a week 
and then you call it. That's that's the whole first session. Give them a little taste of combat. Give them a little taste of what the world is like. Give them just enough so they want to keep going, but don't have like an eight-hour session involving dragons and super deep mythos and just overload them with expositional nonsense, okay? You gotta ease them into it. This isn't Game of Thrones, all right? This is you and your friends having a grand old time. You wanna ease them into it. And after that, session one is, the world is your oyster. You can begin it however you want. You can you can start it whatever. You can throw them into space. Who cares? It's session one. It can be whatever you want it to be. Just, you know, take notes. Have a, have a fair idea of a beginning, a middle, and the end. Um, remember, your players are going to do what they're going to do. And there's very little you can do to change that or stop them. So just be aware of that going in. That the, the game is going to be what they want it to be. And you'll do your best. Just be ready for anything. And after that, plan the next session. Get those dates down like the instant it's over. That's, it's kind of like a sales technique. Once you, get, once, you got them, once you got in the door with those Cutco knives... You gotta seal the deal, alright? You don't leave that house until you've sold some knives. So break out your Google calendars, see what everybody's next couple of weeks looks like, and plan the next session during the first session. That's how you that's how you get them coming back. Because it'd be like, well, we booked this in session one. So I will see you on Wednesday, my friend. And that's how you get them. So there's a little bit of DM advice. And I think that'll do it this week for the going up cast. It's a bit of a longer one. There's a lot of food in here. A lot of food, some movies, some songs, some fans. It's a good time. It's a good week. It's a good old week. Thank you very much for listening to the Going Up cast. I was Andrew Logan, and I'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of the Going Up cast. Have a good one, everyone.